What quality do you think someone would commend about you? If someone was speaking uh, highly about you, what would be the number one thing that they would mention? In our passage this morning, uh, we find exactly this. We find a quality that someone has, and it's being commended to a whole entire uh, church. We have the Apostle Paul, and and he's speaking uh, highly about a, a young man named Timothy, and he zeroes in on, on one quality. It's not his ability to teach. It's not leadership skills. It's, it's not his willingness to call out false teachers. No, it's what, what Paul commends to the Philippian church about Timothy is his humility. That is what he commends to the Philippian church. The fact that Timothy is humble is what Paul focuses on uh, in six verses. And there will be our six verses for this morning. So if you're not there already, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. That is where our passage is, is found within. And it might seem kind of like an odd passage to decide to, to use uh, as I fill in for Pastor Reed this morning. We obviously aren't continuing his series uh, this morning. But uh, I decided to choose this passage of, of all passages because it's, it's been a striking passage to me. It's been one that I, I've been considering for a little while, and it's one that I look forward to preaching uh, to us this morning. So Philippians 2, 19 through 24 is our text, and I, I want to begin uh, by seeing what leads up to this passage uh, this morning. So we think about the whole book of Philippians. If we were to pinpoint one theme for the whole entire book of Philippians, it would be joy. Over and over again, we find the words rejoicing, we find the word joy, gladness is being talked about in the book of Philippians. But there's two sub-themes, or two sub-themes of this letter that we can mention are unity and humility. We see both in our chapter, Philippians chapter 2, this morning. Chapter 1 of Philippians bleeds into chapter 2, talking about unity. If you look with me, uh, just a couple verses before our text. Look with me at Philippians chapter 1, 27 through 30, and, and we see this unity being talked about. It says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see, come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign of them, of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you shall not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So Paul is calling the Philippian church to to have unity. He he doesn't address them individually here, but he addresses them as a whole church, as he says again, that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the sake of the gospel. So Paul is addressing the Philippians' togetherness, working and serving alongside one another in harmony. And as I said, it bleeds into the next chapter, As Philippians 2 opens by saying, if you look with me at verses 1 and 2 of Philippians 2, it says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. 
So Paul is saying if you have the things of verse 1, if you've been blessed, saved by grace, if, if you get these blessings from being part of the church, then you must have what is spoken in verse 2. What does verse 2 speak of? That they are to be unified. It says being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So there's the sub-theme, as I said, of Philippians, unity. It's in other places as well, but just for our, our passage this morning, I want to zero in on that, and it leads right into the other sub-theme of the book of Philippians, and that is humility. So unity and humility, we're going to see this morning, uh, definitely connect. As we come to verses 3 and 4 of Philippians 2, Paul calls them to get along. He calls them to work together in peace. And then in verses 3 and 4, and I would say these are the key verses of Philippians chapter 2, Paul states how a church can do so. How can a church be unified? How can a church serve together in peace? How can a church not be divided and split? We find this in verses 3 and 4. Look with me at Philippians 2, 3 and 4. Paul lays out how this unity is possible. It says in verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So how can a church be unified? Paul says by living in humility. What is humility? Humility is not, it's not dissing yourself or saying you're not good at anything. Rather, humility is, is not focusing on yourself, but focusing on others. That's how these verses define it. Verse 3 says again, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. It's not being selfish. It's, it's not thinking of yourself as the most important. But as the second half of verse 3 says, it's thinking and treating others as more important than yourself. As it says, count others more significant than yourselves. And then verse 4 defines humility this way, showing what it looks like to live in humility. By being focused on, worried about others' desires, wants, opinions, and needs, and not only your own. That is what humility is. And Paul is saying, you do this, you live in humility, then your church will be united. You put others before yourself you treat them better than yourself, then you will serve and work and live in peace as a church. If the church is humble, then it will be united. And what Paul does in the rest of Philippians 2, and this is how we get to our passage this morning, is he gives example after example after example of what it looks like to live in humility. He starts out with the supreme example, Jesus Christ himself. Then we see an example from his own life, and then we get to our passage this morning, an example from Timothy's life, and then Philippians chapter 2 closes with the example of a man named Epaphroditus. He's someone who almost died for his service to God in the Philippians. So Paul is driving home in this chapter. He's driving home what it looks like and the need for humble living as a Christian. Paul is driving home the need for humble living if the church wants to be united. So for us as the Lebanon Bible Fellowship Church, do we want to be united? Do we want to follow what the Bible calls the church to in living in harmony with one another? And Philippians 2, living in humility is what we must do. Our unity, the health of our church depends on it. 
I would say this is a crucial text. This is a crucial chapter for the health and the well-being of the Lebanon Bible Fellowship Church. So I'd invite you to take seriously what we find in our text this morning. So as we work our way through Timothy's example, so now we, we finally come to our passage and we find Timothy's example, and I want us to consider humility from Timothy's life and his example and what Paul says. So our theme for this morning is simple, and we'll elaborate on it. It's considering humility from the example of Timothy. Our theme for this morning is considering humility from the example of Timothy. And the first thing, and I'll just kind of run through this passage, and we'll look at several different aspects of humility. So the first we see from Timothy's example is that humility involves sacrifice for others. Humility involves sacrifice for others, and we see this right at the start of our passage. If you look with me at Philippians 2.19, Philippians 2.19, where this comes from, it says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. So Paul's sitting in a prison cell, and Timothy, he's with Paul, but, but he's not in prison with him. And what we're told here is that Paul desired to send Timothy to the Philippians. And I want you to think about what this would mean for Timothy to be sent to the Philippians. First, this would have meant sailing there. Okay? Timothy couldn't load up in a car or, or a plane and travel there, but Timothy would, would have to take a ship to get to Philippi which would have involved sacrifice. It would have been a lot of time, would have been a lot of effort. He possibly would have had to sail through difficult weather, difficult circumstances, just to get to the place Paul's sending him to Philippi. Also, consider that Timothy is not doing this for himself. Okay, so what this means for Timothy to be sent to Philippi is, is he's not doing this for himself, but he is taking this trip for the benefit of the Philippians. And then we also see for Paul, as the end of verse 19 says, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. So Paul is looking for a report of the Philippians. He wants to hear how they're doing. He wants, he wants to, to know how things are going for them. So Timothy is being sent for the Philippians' sake, for Paul's sake. And then third, consider about this sacrifice that Timothy is not the one calling the shots and his role may not seem important. Okay, this is important as we think about humility. Paul was the one who was sending Timothy. Timothy was carrying out Paul's plans, his desires for him. Paul was leading, he was in control, and Timothy was doing as he was told. And as we think about what Timothy would do, it doesn't seem that Timothy would be taking some large or prestigious role. He wasn't being sent here to be the pastor over the congregation. He wouldn't be teaching or leading in some way. But he was coming to the Philippians to spend some time with them and, and see how they're doing. Timothy could have easily looked at this and, and seen it as degrading, not very valuable work. Timothy would, Timothy would need to be humble to carry out what he was being sent to do. So we learn here first that humility is not the easiest thing or the leisurely thing to do. It involves giving up your time and effort. It might walk you into a trying circumstance, and we see that this is the case for Timothy in serving Paul and serving the Philippians. But I also want you to think about this sacrifice aspect of, hu of humility. We might find ourselves in positions and carrying out responsibilities that are done for someone else. 
at the direction or at the command of someone else and, and they don't seem important. It might be your occupation, it might be your job day in and day out, you're just carrying out orders from someone else. It might be here in the church, you're under other people. It might be children, it's with your parents, or maybe teens, it's with someone older. You're not in the spotlight, it may seem simple and not very beneficial. You may wish you could be just doing something else or that you could call the shots. And there's two responses that you could have if you decide to go along with it. So if you're told what to do or you're given direction from someone else, first you could be humiliated. You could be embarrassed or just disappointed that you've been asked to do a, a certain thing, a, a seemingly unimportant task. So you could be humiliated. Or second, your response could be to serve willingly and joyfully, to forget about your pride, to not think about what seems important, or would bring you glory, but be eager to do this. Do it with joy rather than being upset or saddened. Be willing to sacrifice for others' sake. And this was Timothy's response. Timothy was humble and would serve willingly and joyfully rather than being humiliated. And we see this especially from the next verse. We're not told um, directly that Timothy actually then goes, but from the next verse we see that Timothy would have been more than willing uh, to go make this sacrifice for the Philippians. So we come to the second aspect of humility we find in Timothy's example, and that is humility has a sincere care for others. A sincere care for others. Look with me at verse nine, 19 again, and our point will actually come in verse 20. Look with me at Philippians 2, 19. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. This verse speaks of how Timothy thinks about and would approach the Philippians. This verse talks about why Paul is actually sending Timothy of all people to their church. This is where we especially, I think, get to see a specific quality of humility being commended in Timothy to the Philippians. If you think about your life, okay, if you think about your life for a moment, oftentimes we get extremely anxious and stressed out about things that will affect ourselves. You are greatly concerned about what is going on and how it will impact you. You care a lot about what is going on in your life, what you're experiencing that is difficult, how you specifically are struggling. But more often not, often than not, if you think about it, we don't have that same concern or anxiety or worry when it comes to other people's lives. Timothy did. Timothy did. Paul says, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Paul's saying, Timothy cares about you. He'll look out for you. He'll have his attention on you. And Timothy was not just being nice here or because he knew it was the right thing, but his concern was sincere. His heart went out to others. His heart ached for others. He had a deep anxiety for others, as we see from the word in this verse, genuinely. It says, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare? His care was true. His concern was real, and it was heartfelt. And as I already said, we often just, we, we go about our business not thinking of others or further not thinking of what they're experiencing or going through or how they're struggling, how they're sick or how sad they look. 
We just we don't tend to notice or think about think to ask. But even if you do, even if you do ask and you engage in, in conversation with, with someone else and, and they share some real uh, troubling news, I, I'd ask you, do you feel their pain? Do you really care? Do you long for things to get better? Are you saddened or, or maybe are you happy when things do get better? Or do you tend to walk away and, and just immediately forget what you're told? Maybe you know the right thing to respond with, the right words to say, but your heart is not affected one bit. That is not what is being talked about here. Here we find how real humility works, and that is having a sincere and true care for the lives of others and what they're going through. That is what Timothy had. That is what is being commended. That is what is really being brought forth about his humility here. So the question I think that needs to be asked is, how do you get to this point? How do you get to this point? How do we become like Timothy and have a sincere care for others? I think the first way, and it might seem very simple, we might expect it, the first way is we must pray for this because this is not natural to us, as I already said. It's not our natural way of going or thinking about things. We think about ourselves rather than others. So we need to pray that God would ingrain this in our hearts to be concerned for others and not only ourselves. We need to pray that God would instill in our hearts a great compassion for others. But I do think, as we ask the question, how do we get to this point, I think there's some specific, intentional, and active things that we can do. And Here's a few things to get to this point. The first is, you have to notice others. You have to think about others. You need to get your mind off yourself and your troubles, or schedule, and you need to think about other people. Second, you need to think about what they are going through. Think about what they told you is coming up, maybe a test, a game, an interview, a tough decision. You need to think about what they asked prayer for when you prayed with them on Wednesday night or, or maybe what was listed on the prayer list for them. You need to think about their family, the different things you know that's going on in their lives, maybe the joys they have, the difficulties they're facing. You need to think about the stage in life they're in. Maybe what changes are they experiencing? What things are they experiencing that are difficult? As you think about this, you have to be real intentional about this. You might need to work your way through those in the church that you know, that you're aware of, and really put your mind to think about these things. Third, you need to put yourself in their shoes and think about what it would be like to go through what they're going through. Think about their feelings that they're probably experiencing or have expressed their feelings. Think about what it would be like to experience what they are experiencing. And then fourth, you think about getting to this point that Timothy was at, pray for him. Pray about the specific things people are going through. Pray that God would bring comfort or strength. Pray that God would help grow their faith. I think these are just some steps to work towards having this sincere care for others like Timothy had. Move on to the third aspect, and we find that that is humility is rare. Humility is rare. Look again with me at verse 19, and then we'll see this point comes from both verse 20 and verse 21. It says in verses 19 through 21, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, 
so that I too may be cheered by news of you. And then verse 20 says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. And then verse 21, For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So Paul is talking about sending Timothy here, and he speaks of the fact that Timothy is unique. Timothy is the only one. We might ask, what is Timothy the only one of? And how he would be genuinely concerned for the Philippians' welfare. It's that Timothy's humility is rare. And he compares Timothy to others. In verse 21, again, he says, for they all seek their own interests. He's making a comparison between Timothy and others. And we might ask, who is Paul referring to when he says they? For they all seek their own interests. If you turn with me back to chapter 1, turn with me to chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. And those that are being talked about here in our passage are referenced before. Paul has already given an example of selfish people in this letter of the, to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, he says this. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. And verse 17 says, The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So Paul here talks about those who are sharing the gospel, they're, they're spreading the word of God, but it's for their own benefit, for their own advancement, for their own achievement, not for anyone else's. As he says in verse 17, the former proclaim it out of selfish ambition. And he speaks of what this turns into. Envy, rivalry, they're doing this in a competitive way, looking to ultimately hurt Paul. So Paul is talking about those who are sharing the gospel. These would be people that are professing believers. So Paul here, when he says, for they all seek their own interests, he's not referring to unbelievers, but he's referring to believers. And he's saying they're all selfish. They all are only thinking about themselves. Timothy is the only one who is humble. We find here that unfortunately humility is rare, and it's rare even within the church. If you think about our church, you probably can think of some here in this church or, or believers that you know that, that are humble, that show a true care for you. When you talk to them, you can tell they are interested, they are invested, they make sacrifices to help you, they show a real concern for your walk with God. And what Philippians 2 as a whole is driving at is that this should not be a rare quality for the church. Rather selfishness. Rather than selfishness being a driving quality, humility should be a quality that marks our church. Selfishness should be rare. Humility in the church should be common. So I ask you to consider for your own life, what needs to change for this to be the case for you? Selfishness to be rare and a sincere care for others to be common. Move on to our fourth aspect of humility, and that is humility is to be modeled after the example of Jesus. Humility is to be modeled after the example of Jesus, and we'll start at verse 20. We find this in verse 21. So look with me now at Philippians 2, verses 20 and 21. It says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely 
concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, and then we get it in this phrase, not those of Jesus Christ. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Humility is not selfish as we just saw. So rather than being caught up with our wants and our desires, Paul shows here what a, a Christian should be caught up with, and that is the interest of Christ, what Christ values, what Christ desires for his people. If you caught it earlier in the message, or if you're just familiar with Philippians chapter 2, I mentioned that the first example Paul gives is the supreme and the perfect example of humility, and that is Christ himself. So two passages before ours. If you look with me at Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, we get Christ's example. And I want to read it through because it shows us what are his interests, what are his desires. How does Christ ultimately exemplify humility? So Philippians 2 Verse 5 will begin with, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So for the sake of time, we can't work through all that is here, but to summarize Philippians 2, 5 through 11, it's not saying that Jesus somehow stopped being God. That's not what is meant when it says he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And also, as it says, he emptied himself. But rather, what is being said here is that he was willing to give up his privileges, his rights, to provide salvation for our sins. When it talks about him not counting equality with God, a thing to be grasped, or that he emptied himself, it's talking about him giving up himself for our spiritual well-being. Jesus displays perfect humility. And Paul is saying in verse 21 that these people are doing the complete opposite of Christ, being focused and living for themselves. So as we pursue humility, as we strive to have a sincere care for one another, yes, Timothy can be an example, but ultimately, we should look to Christ who is willing to give himself up for us. This should be a great motivation for us to be willing to give ourselves up for others. The fifth aspect we'll consider from the life of Timothy is humility needs to stand the test of time. Look with me at verse 20 of Philippians chapter 2, and I'll read verses Philippians, I'll read verses 20 through 22, and 22 is where we find our point. It says in verse 20, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. And then it says in verse 22, But you know Timothy's proven worth. But you know Timothy's proven worth. So here Paul is still contrasting Timothy with those who are selfish. He's commending Timothy to the Philippians, showing that the one he's sending is not self-centered. 
Paul speaks of Timothy's proven worth. And this, this phrase, proven worth, is talking about Timothy's character over time. That he's shown what he is truly like. I believe especially because of the verses before, Paul is talking about Timothy's humility. Paul's talking about Timothy's care for others rather than himself over time. So we find here in this, this phrase, this verse 22, that there is a consistency that comes with being humble. Notice from this verse the fact that Timothy was not just humble now and then, nor was he just humble once, maybe as a, as a uh, false persona, but Timothy continued to be humble. It was, it was his way of life. And he continued to strive for it and grow in it. So we need to weigh as we think about our lives, we need to weigh how selfish we are compared to how focused on others we are. Which are we more consistent in? Which is our way of life? We also find here, as Paul speaks, he's proven worth. If you are a humble, if you are humble, people will be aware of it. Look with me again at verse 22. It says, But you know. But you know Timothy's proven worth. Timothy was known to be humble. It was evident. His actions, his responses, his conduct, and his words proved it. Paul could say, Philippians, you're aware of. You've experienced this man's care for you and for others. So my question to us to reflect upon is, could people attest to your humility? Or would they say, no, she's stuck on herself? Or would they say, he never thinks of others. Could people attest to your humility? Paul could say with confidence to the Philippians, you know this. You know this man has a sincere care for you. Sixth, the sixth aspect we'll consider is that humility is learned from humble leaders. Look with me at Philippians 2.22. It says, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father... He is served with me in the gospel. I was a son with a father. He is served with me in the gospel. We've seen that humility is ultimately modeled after Jesus. But here we see that Timothy learned this humble way of living from Paul as well. Paul says that the Philippians know Timothy's proven worth, that they know he has a character that has endured over time. They're greatly aware that he's a humble man and cares about them. And then Paul says right after, I was a son with a father. He served with me in the gospel. Paul calls Timothy his son. He calls himself Timothy's father. Not as an uh, earthly father, but as a spiritually, spiritual father. That uh, He's someone that Timothy looked up to. He looked up to as a leader and as an example in his life. Showing that Timothy, he, he learned his humility that we've looked at this morning from Paul himself. And, and we see Paul, he was a humble man. If you look with me just a couple verses before ours, if you look with me at Philippians 2, and I'll start at verse 14, we see Paul's humble example. Philippians 2 verse 14 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. And then here's Paul's humble example. So that in the day of Christ, 
I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So Paul shows here that he gave great energy in serving the Philippians. He made great sacrifices to help them grow in their walk with God. That is the example that Timothy lived with. He served alongside and got to see this example day in and day out. This should be a challenge to us to follow after and to look up to people with humility. Don't be attracted to the leader who's arrogant, who's bossy and proud and only concerned about themselves. But look up to the leader. Follow those who are greatly concerned for others, that are willing to stoop down and serve others. Leaders that are looking out for the spiritual well-being of others. So consider, who are you following now? Who are you following now? And then the seventh and the last aspect we find in our passage is that humility is desired and needed by others. It's desired. It's needed. Look with me at our closing verses. Philippians 2, verses 23 through 24. Paul says, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that, I short, that shortly I myself will come also. So Paul began our, our passage stating that he had plans to, to send Timothy to, to the Philippians. And now he states, he states what he's waiting for. Verse 23 shows us the value Paul places on Timothy. He says, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Paul wanted Timothy to stay with him for the time being. He was someone that Paul wanted uh, to be around. He, he saw him as a great help for ministry. People who are humble are people that others enjoy and benefit from being around. They're people that help others. They're easy to get along with. They're not always stating their opinion or pushing their agenda. They're flexible. They're willing to back down from their way of doing things or thoughts. They focus on others, and they bring great joy to those around them. We see this with Timothy. We see Paul and Paul's desire to, to keep him with him for the time. Does this describe you? Do people desire to be around you because of the benefits you bring them? Or are you someone that people would rather avoid because you always are stirring things up with your opinions, in ways of doing things. So Paul has given the Philippians a glowing commendation of Timothy. And this should stand as an example and a challenge to us all this morning. So as we think about just some overarching applications, and I, I want us to consider one point of application that is, is really specific to a particular type of person, and then I want us to consider one that is just general. It applies to all of the church. The specific is to consider what stage of life Timothy is in at this point. Okay, he was a young man. He was probably in his late 20s, his early 30s. He's someone who in the eyes of the church would have been seen as young. We see that from other portions of Scripture. And as we think about what is valued today, what is seen as important for a young man, it's a young man who is confident in himself, someone who acts tough, who thinks they're all that. This is the complete opposite of humility. Humility is what we are to value no matter what the world tells us. The world values a young man who's confident in himself, 
who acts tough, who thinks they're all that. So young men, strive to be humble. Let this passage be an example to you. It should be a quality that you're pursuing. You can be a good athlete and be humble at the same time. You shouldn't strut around like you're the best. You shouldn't talk about all your accomplishments. You shouldn't bully other people. Strive to forget about yourself and think and care about others. But this point about young men applies to young ladies as well. Young ladies, look for a guy to date and eventually marry who is humble. Not someone who thinks they're a big shot, not someone who can bench 250 pounds or is really good at football and tells you so, not someone who treats others poorly, but look for a guy who is genuinely concerned about you and others. And this point about young men also applies to parents, grandparents. Be training your sons and your grandsons in humility. Be teaching them what it looks like. Make that the thing you're com complimenting more than maybe other accomplishments or successes in, in sports or the fact that they got good grades. Fathers should consider the example they are setting in their home for their sons. Not a macho man who is a bully of a husband and a, a father, but a husband and a father who shows compassion to his wife and his children. We find here in this passage a picture of a godly man. And it's one who serves others. One who has a deep concern for others. A godly man who is humble is what this passage shows from the example of Timothy. Can we say this about our young men? Now the second point of application, and this is the one we'll close with, and it's a consideration for all of us as a church. We began by seeing how Philippians 2 shows that if you want unity, you must have humility. In the specific aspect of Timothy's humility that I think we need to consider for our lives and for our church this morning is this sincere care for one another. As Paul says again in verse 20, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. We need to take a real hard look at ourselves and think if this is the case for us. Not just with our family members, not just with those in the church that we tend to get along with, that we're buddies with or friends with, but for all those in the church, do we have a sincere care for them? For their physical health, but also for their spiritual health. Do you truly care about your brother and sister in Christ? How can you show this? What needs to change in your life? Let us strive as the Lebanon Bible Fellowship Church to have a genuine concern for each other's welfare. Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this text. We thank you for the example that is commended uh, by Paul of Timothy to the Philippians. And Lord, I, I pray for our young men. I pray that, Lord, that you would work in their lives, that you would... Uh, cause them to have this quality of humility, this sincere care for other people. I pray that our ladies would, would be looking for a man to date and, and marry who, who is humble. Lord, I pray that we would be training our sons, our grandsons as, as parents and grandparents uh, to be men uh, of humility, who care for other people, who treat other people res with respect and compassion. But Lord, also as a whole entire church, I pray that we would be challenged this morning from the example of Timothy, uh, 
but first and foremost from your example as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who was willing to give up his rights and his privileges as the Son of God to come down and die for us, to sacrifice your life for us. And Lord, I pray that we would seek to follow that model, that we would follow uh, Christ's example in giving up ourselves for the sake of others, to have a sincere care for others rather than, than only caring and only being anxious about ourselves and our troubles. Lord, help us as a church to have this for one another. Help us to have this for those that come into this church for the very first time. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us as a church to be humble, and with that, being unified. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our lives in this way. In your name I pray. Amen.